Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, and on this episode, a thoughtful conversation about how to turbocharge your pipeline and drive revenue. Because on this episode, we have a special conversation with the founder of digitalmarketer.com, none other than Ryan Dice. Yes, he's here. And, uh, you know, Ryan is a great digital marketer, clearly, and he has some provocative and engaging thoughts around what marketers can and should do to drive revenue today. And uh, pay special attention to what he says about stages four and five. I think there's a chance Ryan has identified a big problem in marketing here, which is that most companies take try to take a prospective consumer or buyer too quickly from interest to, hey, man, buy now. And so he teases out exactly what marketers need to do to drive the whole process from interest uh, to purchase and beyond. I think you're going to love this episode. Now, we're sponsored by our good friends at Oracle NetSuite. You can learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business today at netsuite.com slash different. You see, NetSuite is number one in cloud ERP. And they are the platform for growth for high growth companies. And when you go to netsuite.com different, you can A, set up a free demo and B, get your free guide, the seven key strategies to grow your profits. That's netsuite.com different. I also want to thank the good folks at readwrite.com. Recently, they named uh, our other podcast, which is called Follow Your Different, the best dialogue podcast. So... If you enjoy real, different conversations about business, marketing, and life, check out Follow Your Different uh, wherever you get legendary podcasts. And if you're a regular listener, you know that Eddie, Yoon, and I have been talking about and writing about for Harvard Business Review the power of a data flywheel when trying to create a category queen, category king business. Check out Lockhead on Marketing, episode number 24, as Eddie and I unpack our most recent uh, HBR article. And along those lines, my friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. And I'm proud to be associated with Splunk because Splunk brings data to every question, every decision, and every action in real time. So if you want to build a powerful data flywheel, check out splunk.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. That's splunk.com slash D2E. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockhead on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. Advertise like crazy. Advertise like crazy, and then don't suck. Because again, all this marketing is is amplification. And when we talk about the hacks and the tricks and the tactics, usually what that looks like is somebody who is getting amplification by a crack in the system, you know, by crossing the streams, by you know some inefficiency in the marketplace. So they were getting amplification without having to pay for it. Guess what? Those, those inefficiencies always go away. Those yeah. loopholes always close. But what never goes away is the ability to pay someone to talk about you. Right. There's always, as long as there's media, 
there will be advertising in some form. So the so now the the question the challenge is no longer well how do I get attention today you just you buy it I don't know what to tell you you buy it you pay for it um, and you can and there's people being like oh but if you do content you do this you're just paying for it with time and that's fine but um, uh, you know you you pay for it uh, time and money you know time you know money and energy they're just opposite sides of the same coin you always get more of one by trading some of the other so the if you want it to if you want something to blow up quickly you buy it. And now the question becomes, okay, what if I can't afford it? Well, you either have to raise money uh, or you have to engineer the economics of the business such that you can afford to do it. So you just have to be able to make more on the other side. So now the essence of marketing isn't how can I generate the most attention? It's how do I structure my revenue engine such that when I get that attention, I'm worthy of it. So I don't suck. And I know what to do with it when I got it. I know how to monetize this thing. I'm the dog that caught the car and I know what to do. And so that's- <laughs> As opposed trick, to right? I caught the car, now what? Now what the hell do I do? Right. And so that's the trick. And that's where marketers need to focus. Way less on the, how do I get attention? It's there. Go to the traffic store. You buy it. It's, what are you going to do when you got it? How are you worthy of it? Go to the traffic store and buy it. So um, what are the traffic? Let's, let's see if we can break this down a little, Ryan. What are the traffic stores um, that you like to do buying uh, with that you find are- we're not looking for some quickie, uh, you know, uh, what we've been talking about. We want to build a real business. We want to drive growth over time. We're playing a long game. I'm a CMO. I'm a CEO. Uh, and I'm launching a new thing or maybe I'm launching a startup. But I, I want to try to build momentum over time. Um, and I get what you're saying. A lot of people looked at content marketing and thought, oh, we can do this for free. We can get people to tweet. I agree with you. My experience suggests that the days of building anything of consequence with just uh, free, with just earned uh, digital media are probably over. You have to, at a minimum, help some shit along. I think that makes a ton of sense. So let's say I'm getting ready. I'm going to launch a new product. I'm going to build a new category. I want to launch a new brand. You know, I'm doing something big, what, what I would call a lightning strike. And I want digital marketing to be a big part of it. Um, break down for me how I should think about doing a, a meaningful campaign in digital marketing. Sure. Well, first step is to figure out what are people going to see when they get there, right? Because basically, what what you're asking is, uh, so I want to I want to meet I want to meet a woman, right? Let's say you know I want to I want to go out and I want to meet some women. So uh, what what bars and clubs do I need to go to, and then what do I say when I get there, right? And I'm going, okay, man, I can tell you about the bars and clubs where everybody's hanging out. I can tell you what to say when you walk up to them, but the reality is you're kind of an asshole and a loser. So let's fix that first because the better you get at this, frankly, the faster you're going to accelerate your demise because you're going to convince all these people that you suck and you're going to do it really quickly. Like bad marketing can, or good marketing to a bad product. So I don't want to, so I'm going to get, I'm going to answer your question, but I just, I want to make sure that people understand the, the whole idea of content marketing and leading with value, right? That's essential. Just the thing is people used to believe that, okay, I'm going to do content marketing, therefore I don't need to buy it. No, no, no. You have to do great content marketing and then you have to pay to get this great content noticed. It's not, so you now have to do everything because what the, what the ad buyers, what the people who are more the direct response, they'd say, I don't have to do content marketing. I'm just going to buy an ad, send people directly to an offer. Nope, can't do that. Or now the people with the more artistic mind would think, well, I'm going to create yeah. this incredible content, this video, this blog, yeah. this podcast, this whatever it is, and it's going to be so awesome. The world will just share it and 20 million people will see it. 
Nope, that didn't work either. So what do you have to do? Both, everything. That's why it's hard. That's why you get to live in the big house. You know, people forget that every great artist had a, had a vamp, you know? Uh, yeah. People forget about Theo. So the, uh, if you're, you know, if you're an impressionist fan, but so where do you go? Right. So, so where do start you start with your, your creating legendary content? Absolutely. And I, and I believe that it truly should be that, that one amazing piece of flagship content. Um, that's where you begin. And everything else around that is going to be like a moon orbiting this phenomenally great planet. And so this could be, uh, this could be a book, right? Although the problem with a book, and you know, this is somebody who's written a book, basically nobody's ever read a book. People buy books, people put books on bookshelves, but there's so many people who's bought Play Bigger and can tell you what Play Bigger is about. They never read the book, but they understand the concept of category design, right? So your big idea, your big concept of you know category design, and this is important in the steps that lead up to that, that's the thing that people need to get. And so normally that's going to look at, at some top of funnel ungated content, like some top of funnel ungated content. So it might be a manifesto and a blog post. It might be a video that's just a phenomenally great video. So it's, But it's got to be something that's good. Then you're going to have other content, other piece of things orbiting around it that's a derivative of that, pointing back to it, going deeper in an area, interviewing somebody about that. I mean, frankly, what you're doing right now from a podcast is a derivative work that's all circling and spiraling around the category design concept, right? So you got that. Now we need to amplify it. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, where are people hanging out? And the answer is, it's Google and it's Facebook. Okay. So when you said, I said, go to the traffic stores, the traffic stores are Google and Facebook, Google, Google itself. There's uh, Google ads. So buying ads in Google search and as well as throughout their content network. So that's all the other websites that are hosting Google ads, which is basically every website on planet earth and YouTube. Okay. So Google, you get Google, a ton of other websites, you get YouTube. Then there's Facebook. You get Facebook running ads in Facebook, running ads across Facebook's content network and Instagram. That's it. That's the only place you need to stay. And here's why. Those two properties represent 86% of all digital ad spend. 86% of all digital ad spend. So you can live there for a really long time before you need to think about anything else. Now, but again, what I'll, what I'll tell you is if you don't have a great place to send this attention and this awareness when you got it, then, then you're putting the car before the horse, right? You're the, you're the dude walking into the club with, you know, you bought a book on pickup lines. And so now you're going to walk up to all the ladies. You're like, hello, ladies, you know, and, uh, you're the, and, and, but you're just a jerk and, and, a, and, a, and a loser, right? You, so I've heard you talk a lot and actually I was very intrigued about it. And, it, and, and, uh, you, you taught me some things as I was consuming some of your stuff. Um, but I'm I'm curious for you to go maybe uh, deep with me on this. I've heard you talk about the offer is everything. Yeah. And so let's say you create the good content. You've figured out 86% of the spend is on Facebook and Google. So I'm going to go there because that's where the people are. And uh, But you got to have uh, the right offer at the right time. You can't ask somebody to marry you when you just met them. And maybe you should be asking them, uh, if you could buy him a drink to, to use this kind of analogy, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. How should, so if I understand, Hey, 86% Facebook at Google, I'm going to create some legendary content that uh, I believe for one reason or another, hopefully I've maybe done even a little bit of research, uh, to learn that the people that I want to be in communication and collaboration and contact with theoretically should care about this shit. Um, 
but you've said it all comes down to the offer. Right. And it gets back to what I said before, which is um, you need to understand once you catch the car, what you're going to do with it. And what a lot of people do is they've got the one big thing that they want to sell, right? They've got the one big thing that they want to do, right? I've got this $10,000 consulting package. I've got this $5,000 a month retainer. Uh, We've got this, you know, SaaS solution that really at the enterprise, we're talking about a, you know, minimum uh, $100,000 a year contract value. Like that's what we really want, right? That again, I'll bring it back to dating and relationship analogies because it's it's kind of something that we can all understand. That's like I just want to get married. You know, I just want to have somebody to to love me for the rest of my life. Is that asking too much? Well, no. If you've been with them for a while, is it asking too much on a first date? Yes, that's freaking creepy, right? So, what I think a lot of us fail, fail to realize is um, we get the front part right, where we'll have that good offer because there's so much good content, so so much good material out there on, you know, producing high quality content, writing good blog posts, you know, producing great videos, um, how to really be, how to not suck on social. Uh, There's good stuff on there and how to buy advertising, right? So people get the first part right. And then when it comes to sales, lots of really good stuff out there on how do you close the deal? I mean, sales training has been out there for a long time, phenomenal stuff. It's that middle part. It's that awkward middle where we need to go from the, hi, nice to meet you, you want to meet for coffee, to then asking for that ultimate sale. That's where people struggle. And so when I talk about the offer, that's what I mean. That's everything. That's where, that's where it's made. And so we call that the convert stage. You know, so for us, you know, I think about, um, I, I really think about uh, the, the customer journey as an eight-stage process, right? Starting with initial awareness, getting into engagement. Engagement is stage two. Um, that's when, you know, they're beginning to consume the content, right? So we're generating awareness to content. I'll have the subscribe as stage three subscribe is when they're giving you their contact information. You have permission to follow up. You've got their number. That's stage three. Stage hold four on if I could interrupt number. you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the big personal learnings I've had in the last couple of years as I've become an author and a podcaster was I had no idea that in spite of all this new social shit and all the cool shit and all that, it all comes back down to that mail list. We're still in the direct mail business that the best thing you can do actually is to get somebody's email because Facebook, Google, all these people, they change their algorithms. You know, Facebook groups have been one of the biggest shams, I think, in marketing because, or Facebook pages, I should say, less so the groups. Facebook pages. Um, Yeah, groups are pretty solid. The, the, yeah, I meant pages because they tell us, hey, get it. You don't even need a website, small business. Just use this page. And then, <laughs> you know, you get 5,000 people on your page and you put a post and two people see it. And in order to talk to the people who already said they wanted your shit, you got to spend money. And so blah, 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 blah. So we, we've had this aha that like, hey, no, build, build your mail list. Is that still what your thinking is? Absolutely. That's the only media that you can truly control, right? As long as you know, you're, as long as you're dependent upon somebody else to communicate with the people who you think are your customers or your subscribers, uh, which in the case of Facebook, that's Facebook's customers, Facebook subscribers. The yeah. fact that they say they're going to communicate on your behalf for a period of time, you know, and, unless you, it has to do with custody of data. It's why you're seeing a lot of this stuff with GDPR and things like that. A lot of this is coming from the big companies wanting to limit who can have custody of data because they don't necessarily want the little guys to have custody of data because they want us to have to go through them. But for now, at least, we have the opportunity to build email subscriber lists, 
We have so, an opportunity to build emails now. You got to treat your list right. You, you know, they, it needs to be opt-in. It needs to be permission-based. You need to add value along the way. But I know this. You have Facebook super simple uh, exit, right? So if people want to unsubscribe, they press one button and they're gone, right? You got to yeah, do that. And you want that to happen. Like as a, as a marketer, you should want that to happen. Because if you keep a lot of people on your list who aren't opening and they're not clicking, that can actually impact your overall deliverability. So you don't want to keep people, people brag about the size of their list. It's like, okay. Um, you literally How can't do that bank. Yeah. yeah. How many clicks? You know, so we get one people. awareness, two engagement is when they start to do something with our content. They look at it, they consume it in some way. And then third, we ask them to subscribe to something. And this is where we ask them to, to tell us who they are, give us an email address. Yeah, we're going to get their number. Uh, and then what we want to do is stage four is the convert stage. And we call it the convert stage because this is literally when the relationship changes, right? This is from a dating and relationship perspective. This is, can I meet you for coffee? Because as low a commitment as that is, hey, let's just meet for coffee. It's not, I'm going to pick you up. It's certainly not want to, you know, fly to Cancun with me this weekend, right? This is, let's just meet up for coffee. It's a micro commitment, but make no mistake. When that other person shows up, that is a date. Okay, that is a date. And I'll tell you, human beings, we show commitment in two ways. We show commitment on our calendars and we show commitment with our wallets, time and money. And so if you can get a micro commitment of one of those two or both, then you have a convert. And there are examples of this. I, we didn't invent this. This has been going on forever. Um, if, if you're walking through a shopping mall in the States, there's going to be somebody you walk through the food court, there's gonna be somebody there with chicken on a stick and they're gonna try to get you to take, take a bite of that chicken. When you pause and you take their chicken and you eat it, they got a fraction of your time and attention. You remember the old publisher's clearinghouse? I'm not, not publishing the, um, Oh God, the, you know, the record ones where it's like yes. uh, Columbia house records, Columbia house, remember Columbia house records, Columbia house. It was like, send us a dollar. The earliest version was literally tape a penny to this postcard and send it in and we'll send you some albums. But when you taped that penny, you are now a customer. The relationship had fundamentally changed. And the biggest mistake that I think businesses are making is they sell to prospects when they should be selling to customers. You should not be asking somebody out on a first date. You should only be asking people out on second dates. What's the easiest way to get a second date? Don't screw up the first one. But we need to march it up. So if you, I just want to. I hate to interrupt you, Ryan, but I want to make sure I understand it because I I think I've heard you say this before. But and when you first, when I first heard you say it, it it rattled around in my brain, and so I want to make sure I understand. We we get somebody to engage. They consume our content. They they do something. We ask them to subscribe to something. Essentially, give us their email address. And what I think you're saying is companies go from that stage to. Would you like to spend $250 million with us or whatever? They're That's big. That's what we call the ascend stage, which is out there. Too, it's two more away. We haven't got there yet. So, and so if I'm, I'm somebody who sells software or, you know, if I'm, or even a consumer uh, product, but it's, it's, a, it's a commitment. It's not a 25 cent thing. It's some kind of a commitment. What do I do after you've given me your email address and we're in the convert stage? How do I keep progressing to, if that's stage four, whatever stage five, and you'll tell me what the other stages are. Yeah. So let's talk about some examples of the convert stage. Um, what we see in the software world that's most common is register for a demo um, or take a trial. Now, 
these are forms of micro commitments, right? Because somebody isn't technically committing money and they are committing a little bit of, of time and it's, but it, but if you think about it, it, it's very quid pro quo. It's kind of a, you know, um, let's meet for coffee and I'll actually pay for coffee as long as, um, you at least consider, uh, going out on a date with me. Like that's kind of the, and that's why are they effective? Yeah, kind of, but is it the most powerful offer? Not necessarily. Right. Because and, we're and reaching so too far why, into the relationship too soon. Well, it's not an actual, you know, when, when you say Let, let's meet for coffee and you buy somebody coffee, uh, that's a sincere offering. That's a, um, I think it's important that, that what gets offered there isn't merely a sample that it actually, that what the offer that's made at that convert stage would stand alone as real true value. When somebody hands you a little piece of chicken on a stick, that's a sample. It's okay. But it's not like they gave you an entire chicken sandwich. It's not like you're now satiated. You know, you kind of got a little taste. So sampling is a type of convert offer. It's a type. I don't think it's the most powerful. I don't think it's the most substantive. So what would be? Marketers stop. It's it's a whole lot better than, you know, sign up and now we're just going to put you in an endless sales cycle, try to sell you the big thing. Well, when you look at the companies that are really software companies that are crushing it right now, you know, you look at the slacks of the world right? That have just, they blew up. Why did they blow up? Because you got to try Slack in all of its glory for free. And you got to actually really use it. You got to date Slack for a long time. And then it was only when you add, wanted to add more features that, okay, now it's going to start costing you something. So in software, we're seeing it. It's, it's funny because in, in B2B, it, you're seeing this in the B2B space. They're calling it the consumerization of software. Like, it, the thing that's really working in B2B right now is to make it seem like more more like B2C. What does this mean? It's as though we've always been selling to humans. You oh, know? God. It's like, like I, maybe just maybe this is the way humans have only always wanted to buy. I've right? never thought of myself as a B2B marketer. I think that's crazy. Yeah. And so what are, what are some smart things we could do in this convert stage that is uh, to, to keep the relationship flowing forward? Yeah, so I, th- I think figuring this, figuring out what your, um, what's your hey want to want to meet for coffee offer should be, like marketers need to spend a tremendous amount of time testing that, and ideally, you know, testing something that will really inform and set up, give you a, give you that opportunity to deliver an aha moment, because four is the convert stage, five is actually the excite stage. So, if you're going to get somebody to meet you for coffee that you're really interested in, y- you better be. Don't just show me like, hey, we're just meeting for coffee. Screw it. I'm going to wear a dirty shirt. And if we talk about stuff, we, no, no, no. You better bring your A game. You better have your funniest jokes, your best stories. Like you bring your best to that first date. And so I think marketers need to both, when they're thinking about their conversations, they need to say, not just what's the thing that's going to get people to this next stage, but it's how in delivering this, do we also deliver an aha moment such that they want to progress beyond. So I'll give you, let me give you an example from something that has nothing to do with software. Let's say you're a dentist. Okay. Let's say you're a dentist. If I'm a dentist and I want to scale my dental practice, I probably want more, um, cosmetic patients because they'll just spend more. Right. And frankly, if I get a cosmetic patient, they'll come in for their regular routine cleanings. I'm going to get that. That's a throwaway. So how do I get more cosmetic patients, people for doing like surgeries and Invisalign and stuff? I would offer teeth whitening. And I would offer teeth whitening for dang near free. Why? Because when you get someone in that chair, number one, the cost of fill is almost nothing. Number two, you got someone in your chair and you whiten their teeth and they're thrilled. And you hold them thing like, wow, your teeth sure do look white. But guess what? 
They're crooked as hell. You got nice, pretty, pearly white teeth that are crooked. If we could just straighten these out and do this other stuff, you know, you got some like, gum issues here and there. You trying to make me insecure about my teeth here, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a beautiful man. Um, you actually got it. So, so, so yes. when they subscribe, the, the convert stage is um, you may be asking for money. You may be asking for a bit of a commitment. So you're not just giving them a white paper or a video or something or a webinar. Right. It's, more, it's more than that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and a webinar could be a type, could be a form. Like when somebody registers for a webinar, then they subscribe. When they actually attend that webinar, well, now they're a convert. Well, why? Because they've given up some of their time, but God dang it, you better freaking bring it. If that's just a sales pitch and they don't get value, they don't get the aha. So what I think people need to, need to and this is really where product and marketing begin to come together, right? Product and marketing begin to come together at that convert stage. It's what can we deliver? And marketers need to be lobbying like crazy to deliver as much value as possible for as low a barrier to entry as possible. And product isn't going to want to give away their best stuff for free. Sales isn't going to want to let the cat out of the bag. Nobody's going to like this. But really, it's you're basically saying, look, I'm getting people to meet us for coffee. I'm just making sure we show up with funny stories and a clean shirt. Yeah. So what does that look like? So that is where the probably 80% of your time needs to be spent as a marketer right there at the convert stage. On what we so do at the convert is, stage. What's the ask? What's the, what my old friend Jay Larson used to call the give to get. Maybe we're going to ask them to spend some money, but if we sell a $2 million thing, we're not asking them for that. We're asking them for some small indication of commitment. Uh, maybe we're giving them some more cool, awesome content that builds on something we already gave them. But you, what you're saying is, if I understand it, and, and again, correct me, people marketers get awareness. We get engagement. Now we understand we need to build our list. So there's that, that subscribe stage. And we go too fast from the nice to meet you. Thanks for subscribing. Now, how about 20 million bucks? It's this, it's yeah. this in between convert and excite stages where we really need to invest to, to not be, to use the analogy of the dating thing, not be the creep that goes from, Hey, I met you, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to you want to get married in two seconds. Yeah. And this is also why you get kind of war between sales and marketing, right? Because marketing goes, I got your lead, subscribe stage. And, and then sales follows up with the leads and tries to sell them the big thing in stage six, which, which is the ascend stage, and they're not ready. And so what does is, what is marketing say? I got you leads. What does sales say? The leads suck. What does marketing say? You're not serving them enough. So what I say to marketers is, you own that stage. You need to keep owning more of the journey. And what we have found is that sales becomes much easier. And I'm not saying I'm not diminishing the value of sales, by the way, but sales becomes much easier when, because think about, um, think about what, it, what it is to propose marriage. That's a big commitment, right? But I know this, when I, when I proposed to my wife, I was nervous. You know, it was a big moment in our lives, but God dang it, I certainly wasn't wondering what she was going to say. And I would argue, if you're <laughs> I say this marriage, to salespeople all the time. Don't ask yeah. for the business until you know what the answer is. You got to know she's going to say yes. If you're worried about that, you're probably getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> exactly. And that's the whole point, right? So marketer, but marketers, I believe I put the onus on marketers. Marketers need to be the ones to, to, to handle the, the full dating process. Because when you get down on one knee, what you're implicitly saying is, you know, I love you. Seems like you love me. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It seems like you know, you're willing to do the same too, because gosh darn it, we've been spending a lot of other time together. You know, we kind of already agreed to do this. So, hey, will you marry me? I mean, it, it should be a foregone conclusion, but not if marketers just go, 
you know, there you go. I got you the first day done. Uh, and, and so the, but tactically, how do we do this? We make sure that what gets sold, right. And I, I'm throwing up air quotes for those who are yeah. listening sold, meaning, uh, meaning we're selling a little bit of time, a little bit of money, that micro commitment, what gets sold there needs to, needs to be something that is awesome. And it's amazing. Uh, and then it needs to tee up. The Let me give you another example that, uh, that we've seen that for, that's been a failure for a lot of businesses, Groupon, right? Groupon, Groupon for many businesses has been a massive failure. Why? Because when a company, let's say a restaurant decides to do a Groupon, right? You get this influx of people that come in and they got their coupon, right? And they're looking for their free dessert. And they're like, I want my free dessert. And the wait staff's like, these people are jerks and they're not tipping all that much. And this sucks. And we're really busy. And all these freaking freeloaders, I hate this, right? So what happened? The first date was a terrible experience, right? What, so what should the business do? The business should do, hey guys, good news. We're doing a Groupon. You know what that means? That means that for this night when we're doing this Groupon, we're going to take all your tips. We're, the company is going to match those tips. I want you loving on our customers. Yeah, they're going to stiff you. Yeah, they're going to do this. But let's make this a wonderful experience because this is the first experience many are going to have with us. And if we crush this, they're going to come back. They're going to become regulars. Their tips are going to be through the roof. But most businesses don't do that. They don't see the delivery of an amazing experience as an aspect of the cost of acquisition. So again, tactically speaking, I would encourage companies to shift. And this is why I think marketing needs to own it. Whether you're pulling some budget from sales or from marketing, whatever, let's make sure that the delivery of that awesome experience is in is is covered and in, is included and factored into the cost of acquisition. In this mid stage, in this mid part of the journey, if you could, could think of it that way, it, where it, it convert is four, four. If I got this right, yes. Yeah, convert is four. Excite is five. So being able to document what are we going to say and do that will get them excited, and how will we know that they got excited. Uh, Tesla, for example. So I've, I've got a, I've got a Tesla. When you go on a test drive, which is the convert stage, they make sure that they do a launch, and that's where they have you actually floor the car, and you fly back, and you get this experience of zero to sixty in two point nine seconds. That's their aha moment. And for the salesperson, they cannot consider it to be a successful test drive unless they do the launch. So what I would say is, what through the delivery of that convert stage, what's the, how are you going to know? that they had that moment of aha, that moment of clarity. Um, so if it's a service that you're offering, you know, it's some, you know, that, that's when we're getting into more of the There's consultant sales process. some light bulb about what makes you unique, what makes you different, what makes you valuable, that you want that light bulb, that aha moment to go off in this convert stage. And if you get that right, then they start to get excited. That's, yeah, you know, you know when this happens, they're excited. And it's not until you get the bing, they're excited that you're ready to move to the ascend stage. And the ascend stage is when you make the offer that you want to make them. That's when you propose marriage, right? So I knew my wife was ready to, you know, she was my now wife when we were dating and she signed us up to the knot.com. Pretty good indication that she wants to get married, right? She's basically <laughs> doing wedding planning and I hadn't even popped the question yet. Right. So what is that? Once she sets up the registry there, Ryan, you're probably on the path, right? <laughs> probably on the path, right? And when the person says, and, and, and what they actually do at Tesla, it's script, right? So the guy, you do the launch, you go, whoa, that was amazing. And the guy goes, kind of like having your own private roller coaster, isn't it? And when you go, yeah, that was awesome. When they know they got the affirmative, that's when they know it's time for the close. If somebody goes, meh, all right, let's go back. So, and so what does ascend mean? So we have the aha, ascend is 
Ascend is, uh, we actually visualize it as a ladder of ascension. And mm-hmm. so at the bottom of the ladder, you have the first real offer. So maybe that's, you know, proposing marriage kind of thing. Like, what is your thing? And then ascending. So that's what the, the car sales uh, gal says to you. Uh, would you be interested in uh, uh, purchasing a Tesla today, Ryan, or, yeah. or whatever their yeah. whatever their first sort of beginning sale. of closing conversation is? Yeah, and then you ascend up the ladder with upsells and expansion, or in the case of subscription revenue, just making sure that they're sticking around. Um, and then stage seven and eight are really advocacy and then promoter. Uh, and and advocacy is when somebody says something nice about you, um, so they give you a testimonial. And then promoter is when they're actively referring you to others. Um, and, and really the key to getting more referrals is just to make people successful. So it kind of, that's when product sort of picks back up again, but that's how we visualize the journey. And my, what I say to marketers is you own it, you own the whole thing. Sales is going to step in at the ascent stage. You know, you're going to need some tactical help in the beginning products you need to be involved, but God dang it, marketers, there you go. That's what, that's what you own. That's your job. It's so interesting. You say this, Ryan, and it, 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 it may be to some, it may sound, um, a tidbit pedestrian, but I actually think it's very profound what you're saying. You know, one of my buddies is Brian Burns, the brutal truth of sales guy. And, you know, he's, and, and this is exactly what he says is the problem between sales and marketing as it relates to demand gen and lead gen, which is the, the marketing guys say, Hey, I delivered you a lead. And the sales guys go, these people are barely interested. And I think you have in as profound a way as I personally have heard mapped out why, which is we go from what you're calling stage three, the subscribe stage to handing it to sales for what I think you're calling six, which is the ascend stage where they're ready to buy. And what I hear you saying is we need to have this convert stage where we do something of value, the the commitment escalates a little bit, and then uh, they have to get really excited. They have to have that aha moment. And that's when they're truly ready to buy. And so marketing historically has done a poor job in that middle part of the relationship building. I think marketing has pointed at sales and said, sales, it's your job to follow up. And I think sales has pointed back at marketing. And so what I finally did, because I feel like I can, like, I don't feel like I can tell sales what to do, but I feel like I can tell marketers what to do because I've been doing it my whole career. So I'm going to just own it. I'm going to own it for me. And I'm going to own it on behalf of all other marketers. All right, marketers, you own it. You own all of these different stages. And I believe really that marketers... And it's why I think we're, we're seeing an expansion of the marketing role, um, right? I think, I think marketing is expanding in importance because as a role within company, marketers used to be marginalized. Marketers used to work with agencies and make sure everybody had like a pen with the company logo on it. Marketing now has a really significant seat at the table, which I think is appropriate. But I think you earn that seat and you earn that seat by owning the entire journey. So yeah, we call it the customer value journey. And that's the, that's the framework that, that we apply, you know, in all of our businesses and that, you know, that, that, that we teach to others. But I'll tell you, it doesn't work unless marketers are willing to own it. it and yep. it doesn't work if you stop at step three. And it doesn't work if you skip a step. Or yep. specifically, if you skip two, um, that's when it becomes really, really dangerous. That's when your customer is going to feel assaulted. And to put a fine point on it, I couldn't agree with you more. Stupid marketers get into this dumbass blame game with sales. Well, we produced all these these marketing qualified leads for you. You're not following up. And what they're saying, if I use your architecture um, as a model, and I think it's a great model, is, hey, what sales is saying is you went too far too fast and you went from stage three, which is subscribe, to stage 
uh, six, which is ascend, translation by, without doing this stuff in between. And it's up to marketing to build the relationship further, to continue to interest the customer, to have that customer have that aha, to further them along in terms of their readiness to actually be truly qualified to engage in a sales conversation. And marketing needs to own that, not sales. Absolutely. Marketing needs to own it. And, uh, and, and I think that what that means is sales is, is living a specialist role. It's also why you see it. Some companies, depending on, uh, you, you have some companies that don't even have sales departments, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing, but depending on where your you know, average you know, contract value is, it, you may not be able to. Um, if you're more of an e-commerce, more of a self-serve type model, you don't even have sales departments. So who's really making sure that the sale happens and then it sticks? Marketing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the reality of the, of the world we're in. And again, I don't say any of this to diminish the value of great sales and great salespeople and great sales professionals. Um, they're incredibly important, but I think it's marketing that owns the whole, uh, the entirety of the customer journey. And I think they need to do it in collaboration with sales. They need to do it in collaboration with product. They need to do it in collaboration with success and with the customer care department. So when somebody re- goes into customer care and they're upset and then customer care flips them and they get happy, Customer care needs to, you know, marketing needs to know about that so that they can reach out to that person and not only maybe get a customer story that can be used for, uh, you know, for more. Well, you mean you think we should do 360 degree relationships with our customers across marketing, sales and customer support? And we should all share that information and cuddle the customer and do what's right? <laughs> Crazy, right? Uh, and, and look, I'll, what I'll say is it's hard. And I'll also say Crimea River. Um, that's what it takes to win today. And uh, and the companies that get it are the you know and the companies that do it they're just going to be the ones that win and the ones that don't and complain that this is hard yep they will lose Ryan you are incredibly insightful I love this thinking I think it's very 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 wise anything else before we wrap I just want to say I mean the, the I think the pinnacle of all of this stuff is what is what you tell not just blowing smoke but you also have to know what is the category that you are winning in. Because if you, one thing that we didn't talk about is who are you talking to, uh, right? So you got to be really clear on who you're talking to when you're going out because it's, if it's amplification and then you got to ultimately know the hill that you're climbing, you got to kind of know where you're going. So I will just say that if you don't, and I think it can be difficult for some companies when they're still finding their way to try to figure out, okay, what is the category that we can do? But what we're seeing here is we're seeing the, the co- we're seeing the merging and kind of the collapsing of sales into product into marketing. We're seeing the collapsing of uh, of of, uh, of direct response and brand. Like all of these things are coming together because we're realizing that we have to do everything. But I believe the concept that sits over all of that is category design. Because if you aren't clear on what category you are in, I think you're going to get lost very, very, very quickly. So given that that's your thing, I didn't want that to go unsaid. Oh, Ryan, is it wrong for one man to love another man? <laughs> I, th- I think it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know what? I do what I, all kidding aside, what I really appreciate is um, I, would, I would describe what you just brought me through as a, um, a way to think about executing digital marketing <clears throat> in a practical, tactical, thoughtful way. And I think that stuff is incredibly important in marketing. And I also believe that any tactical, practical thing needs to sit inside of a strategic context. And what's unusual is for people to have a practical, tactical conversation 
and tie it to the strategic, which is what's the category, how are we designing it, and what's our ultimate plan and strategy for dominating it. And then when we go to execute smart digital marketing, we're doing it in a context called, this is the category we're trying to pioneer and design and evangelize, et cetera. And if we do these things, we will drive more interest and ultimately more buying in our products, which reinforces the growth and the strategic nature of the category. Yep. And guess what? As marketers, you got to drive all of it. Yes. You got to, you got to drive all of it. You got to drive the strategic, you got to drive the tactical and it's hard. And that's why you get to see the, at the big kid table. That's absolutely right. Ryan, I can't thank you enough. You're awesome. I love your work. Please keep it up. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Thank you. Well, there he is my buddy, Ryan Dice. Uh, sure hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed or, or enjoyed that conversation as much as I loved having it. All right. We would like to thank Ryan Dice himself. Check him out. You can check him out on the internet at digitalmarketer.com. That's digitalmarketer.com. My first book from HarperCollins, Play Bigger, How Pirates, Dreamers, and Innovators Create and Dominate Markets. Pick it up wherever you get legendary books. Uh, Speaking of category design, if you want help designing and dominating your market category, check out my friends at CategoryDesignAdvisors.com. That's CategoryDesignAdvisors.com. Now, are you in beautiful Australia? Do you want to do legendary marketing? If so, my friends at Rapid Media are there to help. Check them out. RapidMedia.com.au. That's RapidMedia.com.au. And if you by chance are in the UK and specifically in Ireland, my friends at Fusion.ie are an award-winning PR, marketing, and graphic design firm in beautiful Dublin and Cork, Ireland. And they're there to help you do legendary marketing. Check out F-U-Z or Z, depending on how you want to say it. F-U-Z, F-U-Z, I-O-N dot I-E. That's Fusion.ie today. All right, I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes, and this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and we would love it if you shared the shit out of it. Um, remember to be nice to your mother, support your local marketers, buy John's crazy socks, tell two people you love about two podcasts you love, and remember the sage words of David Ogilvy, who said, quote, if it doesn't sell, it's not creative. All right, thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. Until we're together again, stay legendary, and of course, follow your difference.